so the dog goes in, he jumps over, he jumps into this house and he goes, he's in a room now and we hear him barking and going crazy. So we move up, we got locked on a window, we look in, the dog has gone through four people who are sleeping on the floor of this house, four, four transients who are sleeping and he's at a closet barking and going crazy in the closet, which is where our suspect was. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode six of Canine Top Tales. I would like to start by thanking everyone for listening and for your reviews and comments. Just a little warning that during this episode, my Wi-Fi was misbehaving a little bit, so the sound is not exactly what I would like it to be, but the content from my guest is definitely worth listening to. When it comes to tactical patrol canine work, my guest has not just walked the walk, he has climbed the mountain 10 times over. So without any further introduction, please welcome Mike Goosby, Sergeant and Chief Canine Trainer for the very elite Los Angeles Police Department Metro SWAT Canine Platoon. So Mike, welcome to Canine Top Tales and thank you so, so much for talking to me. How are you today? I'm doing outstanding. Great. I think what I'd like to do is start by giving people a perspective of you and your unbelievably extensive experience in the canine world. So kind of a rapid fire question session, if you're okay with that. Yes, absolutely. How many officers are in LAPD? Uh, Right now, just shy of 10,000. And how many um, canine officers? Canine handlers right now, we have uh, 19 canine handlers. And that's speaking strictly regarding patrol, correct? That's correct. So, yeah, not, so not detection. No, not detection. No, Bomb Squad has their own dogs and uh, teams and so does narcotics. But strictly for Metropolitan Division, which is a straight uh, tactical canine search dog, we have uh, 19 handlers. We have six sergeants and one lieutenant as well, but the handlers do all the, they do the heavy lifting. So always count them, not us. And, and how long have you been in that unit? Uh, I've been part of that unit for 23 years now. Okay. And you are continuing... Today. Yes, I have, I have to tell you today, I'm right now I'm just, I'm a sergeant in the unit and uh, also the chief trainer. So which means I pretty much I have uh, I have functional control over the training of all the dogs and the handlers, as well as the, the testing and selecting of all the dogs that come to uh, our unit as prospective LAPD canine uh, dogs. So can you even estimate how many searches you've responded to in that time? In, in the time that, I, that I've been in the unit? Yeah. <laughs> I'd say, uh, I did. We're, it's funny you, you asked that. We're doing a, uh, we're doing like a little history thing because 2020 became the 40th year anniversary of our K-9 unit. And so we're kind of going back in history to see how many people worked the unit and uh, how many searches we've done, so on and so forth. And it got to mind, I was a little bit over 7,500 combined searches, meaning SWAT and uh, K-9 related searches, all behind the dog. So just a few, probably, right? <laughs> yeah, just a few. Yeah, yeah. exactly, just and, a few. And how many apprehensions do you think you've had? Oh, so with my first dog, Thunder, he holds. So and for the record, he holds the record for the unit right now. Thunder had, uh, he holds a record for the amount of searches and the amount of apprehensions in the unit. So he had uh, 693 searches. And out of that, he had 553 uh, apprehensions of locating oh suspects. My gosh. And was he a Malinois? Yeah, that was our or... first dog. He was a okay. Malinois. Yeah, he was one of the department's first Malinois. He was a Malinois. 
And he was he was he was one of those dogs that put in the category as the knucklehead dogs. We first get <laughs> those dogs that don't really they they have what Mother Nature gave them to be police dogs, but they just don't realize it yet. So wow. it takes a little time for them to come into wow. their own a little bit, you know? What a gift for him to be your first, right? Right, yeah, he was. Yeah. And my second dog, Luca, I had uh four hundred and sixty seven searches with him and I had two hundred and three apprehensions with him. And that's that's the dog I handed off to another handler when uh, I made sergeant. Wow. And so how many dogs have you run? You I ran two dogs. I personally ran two dogs, and, you know, walking behind them on actual canine searches. Now, as okay. a chief trainer, obviously, I've taken dogs in, trained them up, taken problem dogs, work with them, and so on and so forth. But I walked behind two dogs. Wow. So and that was for 11 that, years. That's, I mean, that's incredible numbers. I think anybody who's ever worked canine knows that, that that's pretty hard to, uh, to top, right? So I'm sure somebody will try, but I don't know how successful right, they'll be. Right, right. And that's working in a major metropolitan high-risk area. Um, exactly. Can, can you also explain just a little bit, um, without getting too technical into policy, but your dogs can't run on just anything, right? It has to be sort of a high-risk or a, a, a felony or what's sort of the boundaries well, so of... So our criteria, our criteria is uh, we're actually, considering we're in, in the state of California and uh, in, in the Ninth District, we're actually, pretty, we're actually pretty good. We're pretty liberal with our policy. We can search for any misdemeanor suspect that's reasonably believed to be armed. Whoever's reasonably believed to be armed, we can search for them, and then any felony suspect. And our department's policy with that, you know, it comes to the whole thing of the, the, the key word, the key phrase today in uh, police work across the country is de-escalation. And LAPD has been doing that de-escalation piece, so to speak, years ago. You know, right now, the, uh, the, the coals are real hot, and a lot of police departments feel like they're being raked over the coals right now with all the policy procedures and, and the social justice stuff that's coming out. And I'll say that if you look underneath those hot coals and see those ashes, those are LAPD ashes. We've been through the same stuff they're going through now, probably about 30 years ago. And um, the, the process of that is for our department, you know, we'd rather send a dog out to search for a suspect and locate a suspect as opposed to send a team of four to six officers searching for that suspect without the dog in front. Because a dog is going to offer them reaction time. And reaction time gives you time now to, once you find that suspect, to negotiate, you know, communicate, make compromises, talk back and forth. And it changes, it changes the, the, the narrative of things, if you will. And I think it's also worth noting that when you're talking about apprehensions, it doesn't mean the dog's biting somebody every time. No, it means the dog's no. locating. They're a search tool. Absolutely. 110%. I'm glad you brought that up. Yes. Our, our dogs are, loca are locating tools. Very rarely. I can probably count on one hand in my whole career of, as, as a canine handler, where I had to send my dog on a directed bite and tell him to bite someone. 98% of our work was seeking you shall find. Go find the outstanding suspect. Which is huge, absolutely huge. Right. So in all of those, I, I already have forgotten the numbers, but thousands of, of circumstances, what are you, can you give us a couple of standouts? Can, can, you, yeah. can you maybe yeah. give us a standout with your first dog? and? Because there's got to be those searches that either he saved your life or you saved his life or he saved somebody's life. And, yeah, and I think it's just so some. important for people to know, you know right. what these dogs are doing. And you're out there doing it every day. And it goes yeah. unsung hero all the way. So <laughs> right. I'd love to hear it. So I had a couple of them with Thunder, my first dog, Thunder. Um, he, had a, he had a really good nose on him. And, you know, and there are times where we got the capers and they were, you know, if it was like, hey, this guy has been seen in a while. It took a while to set the perimeter up. 
we kicked Thunder off because we knew his nose would get us in the right direction. And uh, we had one where two officers were working Central Division, and they were working a gang unit, and they were making a lot of arrests and everything and putting people in jail. And ironically, one of the officers, her husband is now a canine handler. He's one of my canine oh, awesome. But this was years ago, awesome. right? So anyway, uh, they're out there searching. I mean, they're working, doing their job. They arrest a big-time gang member in the Central Division. And this, this gang puts a green light on them, which means that, hey, it's open season on these two officers. You, got, you, you members of our gang have permission to shoot at these officers if you see them. So the department is like, hey, you know what? It's a little dangerous for you guys here. We want to not start problems. We want to try to let this thing mellow out a little bit. So they moved them down to Harbor Division on loan. And so while they're working Harbor Division, they put, they're, doing, they're still doing good police work. They pull a suspect over. They get him out, two guys out, and they start talking to him. Well, one of the guys turns and fires at him as they're, as they're dealing with him. He uh, misses a female officer, uh, and he hits the male officer in the chin. And the male officer goes down. Female officer returns fire. One suspect goes down. One suspect runs down uh, an alley, still firing the officers. They set a huge perimeter up. They call us out. They call SWAT out. And uh, I was one of the last dogs there. When I got there, there were probably uh, four dogs already searching. I got called in from home. They needed more dogs. It was a huge perimeter. So I get there. I get with my SWAT team guys, and we decide we're going to go out and hunt. And uh, I decided to go outside the perimeter. Based on what they were saying, the guy, how the guy ran, so on and so forth, you know, we made the decision to CP that, hey, I'm going to kick your, we're going to kick your dog off outside the perimeter. Let's just see if we can get something. Good to go. So we go down uh, to where the traffic stop actually happened, and the suspect ran opposite of where they were, uh, the stop had happened. So I decided to go from the stop and kick off. Well, I look up, and there's only two ways to go. The way the suspect went, and then there's this long alley. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, if he is able to cut back at all, video charge, he probably end up in this alley and outside this alley, and we'll start the alley. So we start the alley. We kick off at the mouth of the alley, and the alley is probably about a good, uh, a good block and a half long. We can buy city blocks. I tell my search team, hey, there's not much cover here. We're just going to hold here and let this dog run the alley. And they're like, you mean he's going to take this whole alley? We're going to stay right here. Go, yeah, we're going to stay here. He's going to run the length of this whole alley. When I get to the point where I can't see him, I'll put him on a down. And then we'll work our way towards him. We'll bring him back and we'll work with we'll, we'll, we'll detail a little bit. There's not much detail. And we can see further down the alley, way down, just some, some clutter, but way down the alley. We can barely make it out. So I kick him off, sit, give our announcements. I kick him off. He goes working down the alley. And uh, right around that clutter area, we see his head pop up. I mean, and it's like, I, I, is that, did he just did he used to be changed? And it's watching the next to me. I think his head just popped up. He, yeah, he's jumping. And we look over, and he just we see him jump in the alley into this, this clutter. He just lands in it. And all of a sudden, we hear the guy screaming and so on and so forth. I call the dog out. I call him about halfway from me. I put him on a down. And then I, uh, I start giving commands. And the, uh, we can hear the guy saying, I can't, I can't. I'm shot, I'm shot. I can't move, I can't move. I can't, I can't. I'm shot, and the dog bit me. I can't get out of here. I can't get out of here. So we move up on him. We move to where the dog is. And... Uh, I sent the dog back in, not into the suspect, to where the guy was. So we couldn't tell the, what part of the cluttering he was in. So I sent the dog back on a search. And the dog starts alerting and it's about to jump over again. I see exactly where he's going to jump. And we can now see kind of underneath a, a car tire and a couch and some other debris. We can now see the suspect. So I call the dog back right then to me. And then uh, we start doing the suspect. But that, so that, and he, he was laying on a gun. He had a gun there with him. So my, and when we got him out, it wasn't so much that he couldn't move. It was more so that he didn't want to. So we kind of came to with the to the idea that he was trying to get us in there. He was trying to go to us in. He was trying to get us somewhere he was. And it didn't work for him, obviously. 
So that was that was one where that dog took five guys downrange and he brought five guys back. That was a good wow. paper for that dog. That was very nice. Can, can just in in some of your explanations. So when you're talking, I mean, a lot of people will know exactly what you're talking about, but I think a lot of people won't. Right. So when you talk a perimeter, that's kind of standard operating procedure for LAPD, right? Something bad happens, you immediately get officers out on the corners and make sure that it's sealed off from anybody, right? Exactly. It's like dropping a big net of police cars and officers around a certain area, according a, 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 a certain amount, a certain amount of area. Whether it be two blocks, one block, four blocks, they're going to drop this net over these uh, over these things. And then the dogs you'll you'll actually deploy multiple dogs to do yard to yards um yes right so in the systematic approach right right we right we call it systematic detail search so if you look across the country most departments do tracking and and for a good reason if you look at if you look at the midwest and start heading east to east you see that the in la everything is we call it poster stamp everyone has a front everyone has a front yard and a backyard and they have fences around those yards they have fences. The other yard, all the houses are cut off by fences, so they become par- separate parcels. Where you start getting to places like Indiana, Colorado, Utah, there aren't any fences between the houses. Sometimes you can stand in one backyard and look across all the way through the row of houses because there's nothing stopping, no barriers stopping them. So they do a lot of tracking and they're a lot more green. Our car area, the urban jungle, we have a lot more concrete and asphalt, you know, as most major cities do. So our dogs do systematic detail searches and they search off lead. So they work off of air scent. They're not putting their nose to the ground and, and going footstep to footstep or trailing the suspect. They're not doing any of, any, any of those two things. They're working air scent. We use them tactically to clear an area and they use their nose while clearing that systematic area and detailing the nose to let us know if there's any suspect scent there. Then once they get suspect scent, they then start working that scent to scent source all through the air. And, and when you took your dog I'm sorry, when you took your dog down that alley, were you getting nose lifts? Were you getting indications from him? No, um, not yet. I didn't get anything until he got, like I said, probably about, he's about halfway down that alley and probably about uh, 15, 20 feet from that clutter we saw is where his head snapped. Okay. And that means he got in a scent cone. At that point, he got in a scent cone. And when you say knowing suspect scent, um, you're going off of fear scent. I mean, there's got to be a lot more. It's an urban jungle. Right. So, so yeah, I, yeah without, without, getting into, you know, without getting into the whole scent game, our, our dogs come what we, we call season. What I mean by that is they will work scent. They'll work past people sitting in houses having dinner. They'll work past someone sitting in a car. They'll give you a little slight alert that, you know, hey, there's somebody there. But they don't hit it as hard until they get to that suspect scent. You know, and I'm not, not going to sit here and claim to be a, a, a scientist, a scent uh expert but i will say though that there is that fight or flight scent that comes off of you and i tell people imagine yourself in, a, in an atm machine and you're putting money in and you're getting money out and somebody walks and puts a gun in your back well at that point you're going to go to fight or flight you're going to turn around and fight this fool or you're going to run like hell one of those two things are going to happen but while your body or your mind is deciding to do that there's certain changes happening to your body where you're releasing chemicals and stuff out of your body and it's causing a scent that dogs lock in on and i know that it's definitely true and I had to use this in a court case once. So I was running the same dog thunder for an armed robbery suspect. And I sent him down the side of the house. He goes down the side of the house and he jumps into the window of an abandoned house. I mean, he like literally just jumped for the second. <laughs> Which the they house. don't do for no reason. Exactly. So <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. I always tell my handlers, if you see your dog doing things that dogs don't normally do, you need to start playing, paying attention real quick. 
So exactly. anyway, so the dog goes in, he jumps over, he jumps into this house and he goes, he's in a room now and we hear him barking and going crazy. So we move up, we got locked on a window, we look in, the dog has gone through four people who are sleeping on the floor of this house, four, four wow. transients who are sleeping and he's at a closet barking and going crazy trying to get in his closet, which is where our suspect was. That's so one. That's amazing. Walked, right? That's so a dog. dog walked, yeah, he walked <laughs> over. He literally walked over four people to get to this closet. That's incredible. That's, that's fact. <laughs> was he that's a pretty fact. social dog, or was he, was he very just social. a? He, no, he's very social. Very social yeah. dog. So all of our dogs have to be social. That's the main thing. And the reason why they have to be social is because we don't search with just a handler and a dog. We take a search team out on every canine search. So in every canine search, you're going to have at least three other people with the handler who the dog has no clue who they are on oftentimes. I mean, don't get me wrong. Sometimes there are searches where there's been, uh, where it's canine guys or some SWAT guys the dog's familiar with. But the majority of our searches, 80% of them are with patrol officers. And with 9,600 people, 800 people, you know what that means. The dog is the dog is meeting people for the first time. Heck, we're meeting people for the first time sometimes on certain right. searches. You know, right. so the dogs have to be social. They can't come back and bite our search team member. They can't, they have to work around them and, and work in conjunction with them. And just to clarify, just to clarify, social doesn't mean social light. Because no. believe me, these dogs, you touch them in a respectful way. Exactly. No, the, no, he 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 is a police dog. Yeah, he is a police dog. He's not a deputant. And I tell people yeah. that all the time. So what I <laughs> mean by that is, yeah, he's he's not a dog that I'm taking out on the scene and everybody's gonna play with him and roll around and, and play wrestle with him. He's not that kind of dog. This dog has a job. He has a mission. Okay, just like I wouldn't expect a police officer to jump in a bunch of middle of a bunch of people and they start hugging on him and rolling around with him and wrestling him on the ground and everything, because it's just not safe. Yeah, that police officer has tools on his belt and tools on his body that we can't let people get their hands on. It's not safe, even kids. Well, that dog has things on his body that we don't let people get their hands on. He has teeth. So exactly, <laughs> so, exactly. He so deserves respect for sure. Exactly. So we have to, and we, and we, and and, and here's the other side of coin, Sonia. You can't train dogs to bite, and then be surprised or upset when they bite someone. Exactly. The, so, the right trigger, because they're also, they're conditioned to respond to a particular set of circumstances. And if you offer those circumstances, why not? Exactly. And they're dogs. So why put them in a position? We, we as humans have the ability to not put them in positions for that kind of stuff. We can forward things for them. So we don't do that with our dogs. Well, and also worth noting, these dogs aren't walking around looking for trouble per se no. they're responding to their training Absolutely. and so they're having fun when they do it they're not like i hate you there's no, no. hate in the dog no. it's just like woohoo this is my job this is a, i'm going it's a there's a party i see the police cars i see the helicopter this means there's a party and i got my invitation that's what the dog thinks that's what the dog thinks they don't think that i'm going to go find somebody and, and, and annihilate them that's not the, that's how that's not how it works for them yeah so how hard was it to retire that boy that, that took you so far? It was hard. So, and, and, and it's funny because he didn't actually ever retire. So right around the time I was going to retire him, I was planning on going to uh, test for, this is my, so that was my first police dog. I learned a lot with him. And by towards the end of his career, I become a, a, an assistant canine trainer. So now it's like, I was in a position to go out and test and select my own dog and, you know, start from scratch and everything. I was excited with it. Well, 
right around then we had a handler get in trouble and his dog became available. And uh, this dog was like, the, everyone thought this dog was a devil because this guy got in trouble a few times with him. The dog got some accidental bites, but most of that stuff was handler, and it was, it was handler control. It wasn't the dog. It was just the dog being allowed to do what the dog's allowed to do. So uh, this, this was made by the powers to be that, hey, Mike, you know, you're a trainer now. This dog's a good dog. You're going to take this dog, and he's going to be your dog, and you're going to show us why you should be a trainer and why this dog needs to still be here. At first, I, was, I didn't want the I didn't like the idea. I was like, okay, I got to take someone else's problem and fix it. But I was thinking as a handler, not the trainer. And I was like, I said, I was new at the training game then. So I took that dog. But right when I got that dog, Thunder got sick. He got cancer. And uh, so he was, he did his last search on June uh, 3rd in, in 2007. And then in uh, June 4th, he died. Oh. Yeah, he found his last suspect on June, 4th, June 3rd. He found an outstanding robbery suspect. And then June 4th. So he went out the way he wanted to, you know? Without and, and, a doubt. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and think about these police dogs and people, oh, you get choked. Don't, does that bother hurt you? Well, yeah, it does hurt me. It does bother me. But the dog was doing what he wanted to do. And, and there is no, make no mistake, there is no dog going to live forever. You know, and you have to have that in your mindset. This dog is not going to be here forever. He can't work forever. So you have to have that in your mindset. And, you know, so I got my next dog, Luca, right then. And he turned out to be a phenomenal police dog. Turned out to be a phenomenal police dog. You know, I had, uh, we had a female handler at the time, Linda Travis, and uh, she really did a lot of help with me and getting that dog on, getting that dog on track. I did a lot of my early training stuff. I learned a lot of stuff from her and she really helped me out. We put that dog through the grease for about two good months, two solid months. And that dog turned out to be a really good police dog, without a doubt. Yeah, Linda's awesome. Oh, and, yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually left L.A. at the end of 2007. I had the chance to spend time with you guys, which um, I wish I could go back in time and do it all over again, knowing what I know now, because I know I'd see 10 times more than I ever saw then. But right, right. it's just, you know, you just keep evolving, right? Of course, we do. Yeah, times change, the dogs change, you know, and the type of dogs that we used to get has changed. You know, back when you and I were running around and youngsters of this game, the kind of dogs we're getting back then, we're getting dogs that are like maybe, you know, if you got a dog that's two years old, that was young. Oh, my God, two years old? Ooh, where'd you get this dog from, you know? We're getting yeah. dogs three, four years old, average. Now, you're getting these dogs who are freaking, you know, 16, 18-month-old wonder children coming out, of, coming out of Europe, you know? It's incredible, and isn't it? Incredible? It is. And that's because the supply and demand has gone up for dogs. There are more arenas for the dogs to work in now. More departments want dogs. More entities want dogs. And so they're pushing these dogs out. And, then, and all these young dogs are getting, they're getting a quick run through gladiator school and boom, on your way. You know, back then we're getting a lot more title dogs, so on and so forth. And so we had to change our training too. And when we handle these dogs, because, you know, there's certain things you can't train and you can't speed up. And one of those things is maturity. You know, you can't take an 18 month old dog and overnight expect him to be that three-year-old dog you got four years ago. That ain't gonna happen. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, and just the confidence building. And, and I yeah, absolutely. think, um, you know, absolutely. in Europe, they do such a great job developing them. They and, do. And, and, you know, they still come as a green dog, but they've had yes. all this wonderful foundation and discipline. And, Correct. And, Correct. And when I say discipline, I don't mean like obedience discipline. I mean a focus on a mission kind of discipline. Absolutely. Yes, I know exactly. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Along with contact information for Mike Goosby, you can find links to Sonia's canine businesses in the show notes. Sonia owns and operates Sonia's Dog Training and Heimdaller Canine Services. 
Sonia's dog training provides detection, nose work, scent work, and SAR workshops and seminars, as well as one-on-one -on -one training for the family pet. Remote sessions via Zoom or FaceTime and telephone consults are available. Heimdaller Canine Services is a supplier of top quality canines for personal, family, and executive protection. Heimdaller conducts hands-on selection from the finest breeders and kennels in Europe to locate top-tier dogs selected for their courage, stability, sociability, and health. And you may have regarding adding a protection dog to your home and look forward to hearing from you. So yeah. tell us about a great thing that Luca did with you. All right, so Luca, man, Luca was a beast. <laughs> <laughs> another Malinois? Yeah, he's another Malinois. How big? Yeah. He was, uh, Luca was, he's probably about 85 pounds. He's oh, that's big a beast. Mouth. With a football mouth and a yeah, big he's head? A, yeah, he's, yeah, he's a big boy. He was a big boy. He was strong, though. He was a, he was a nice dog. He was a, he was a really good dog. So let me see. A good caper with Luca is another, another whodunit. You know, he had, you know, I had this, I just had this neck with these dogs. You know, I, I don't know. They said they, my dogs just have to have good noses. And that's, a, and, and you hear me say that a lot about a good nose. And I want everyone to be, be clear if they hear the, if they hear the name Mike Goosby. Mike Goosby is not about dog bites. I mean, I know police dogs bite. I know we're going to get them. And I know that sometimes they have to happen. I'm with it all day long. But if you really want to rock my socks <laughs> and get me smiling and happy and get me all dignified, Show me a dog with a good nose that gets a good find. I yep. mean, that find where someone is going to, you're not going to find this guy for the dog. You're going to get shot in the back if he doesn't find him. That's the other side of the coin. Exactly. That's, that's, <laughs> exactly. So that's the kind of, that, that's what really, that's what really like lights my, lights my fire. If you show me a dog that has a great nose on him. And Luke had a great nose on him. So we had this caper once where uh, it was a uh, pursuit. Uh, Sheriff's Department, the LA County Sheriff's had a pursuit. It ended in our city, and uh, their canines weren't available to respond. And these are three armed, three armed bank robbery suspects. And uh, so we kick off, and this is where dogs come into play. Dogs, see, as humans, we reason things out. Someone can't hide there, or a person can't hide there, or they can't hide there. The dog doesn't know that. The dog is just smelling everything. They don't, they don't look at us an object and say, oh, the guy cannot hide there. He's too, he's too big to hide there. They don't look at that. They just use their noses, right? So we start searching. Well, we don't search. We get there. And prior to me getting there, the officer that kicked off and started searching already, which is a big no-no for us, but yep. they were from a different department, right? Yep. They start searching already, and they had searched about four or five to six yards. And uh, they said, okay, we stopped here. You guys will kick off your canine, and you guys can start from here and go. I go, no, we're going to research these right here. No, 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 we already cleared those. Those are good. I, go, nah, I know, but if I'm going to get my seal of approval on this thing when it's all done, I need to search everything. So they go, okay, well, hey, it's your, it's your ball game now. Do what you want to do. We go back and search those yards. We get into the third yard. This yard is just cluttered with crap. There is crap everywhere. It's a huge lot. There are chickens running around. I think I counted maybe four or five goats running around. It's just a huge, it's just crap. And I immediately, as I, as I entered that yard, I immediately, the first thing that came to my mind was that, holy heck, if I was a cop, this is the one yard I want to get in and get the heck out of. Because my shoes are gonna get crap all over them, my boots are gonna get, my pants, my clothes are gonna get all messed up. It stinks. It's smelly. I, so that tells me what they're probably not gonna search this real. They're not gonna be real intricate in their searching techniques. Okay, they're gonna get in. They're gonna clear, 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 and get the heck out of there. Well, I cut Luca loose in their yard. He goes in. He works his way through the chickens, do some goats, 
and there's this huge mound of clothes in the back, I guess the back wall of the yard. I guess the back the, the back part of the property. Huge mound. He goes in there, and as he comes around one side of the mound, I see the mound start to move. Like it's almost like the waves in a wa- and the waves in the ocean. It starts moving. <laughs> and Luca dives into that mound and boom, he's on a suspect. I call him off. When I say call him off, uh, when I say that, we don't walk in on our dogs and take them off hard, strong out or hard out or cat go out. We use verbal outs for our dogs and everything. So I call him out. So Luca comes out of the pile of clothes and he's coming back to me. His head snaps at a shed that's adjacent to the pile of clothes. And it's like a window of the shed. His head snaps there and boom, he goes to a full on bark, 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 hitting his window, bark, 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 bark. I'm like, holy crap. I go, so, okay, now is he getting sent off this guy in his clothing to this? I'm all like, okay, we got, I'm like, okay, cover that shed, cover this. We're going to do the guy in the clothing first. And I'm going to just, you guys hold that shed. So we call the guy out of the clothing. He comes out, taking the custody. He's one of our suspects. Well, we start throwing commands at the uh, shed. We get no reaction. I said, oh, hey, give me a, give me a, give me a SWAT rock. We call, we call it a SWAT rock. One of the guys picks a rock. He throws, hits the window. So he does that. We hear someone say, okay, 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 okay. Well, the other second, a second suspect is in that shed. So he finds one guy, contacts him, and is on, on his way back to me. His nose is still working. He hits on the guy in the shed. Wow. Again, that, I, you can't make that stuff up. No. Like, <laughs> well, beside the fact, as a handler, if I go into a yard with chickens and goats, I kind of want to get my dog out of there thinking I don't want him killing anything. So exactly. to have that level exactly. of trust. Yeah, well, we got to put, yeah, but, but you know, I, I, I will say this, though, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that, oh, we do all this, just, but now we do great training in our department. We do great dog training. I'm not going to say we don't. I will stand behind our product. But I will also say that we're very fortunate. Our dogs get a lot of work in a crazy environment. They get to work in an environment that some dog teams will never see across their the, the, the whole careers. Our dogs, they, they, they get the craziest environment possible. That If you can think of it, they're searching in it. So they become very adapt. They become very adapted to it. Things that will make another dog go crazy makes our dog like, oh, whatever, it's easy money. I can do this. Yeah, and it's because they're in the field every night. Exactly. They're just special forces guys. Those guys, those guys, because they work in environments so hostile sometimes that you know it's like it's like Army Rangers. You know, they work in a hostile environment so much that what would, what would rattle them, you or me? They're like hey, nerves of steel. Yeah. It's not because they they're better. It's just that. They're conditioned to it. This is how our dogs are. Our dogs are conditioned to these areas. Yeah. So it doesn't doesn't phase them as much. Yeah. Well, and, and when I was in L.A., and I just feel so blessed to have trained and been exposed to all the people I was, one of the reasons why I could come in with my little search and rescue dog was because the emphasis was on searching. The emphasis yes. wasn't on bite, 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 bite. It was absolutely no. on searching. I'd say like 85% yeah. of all the training. So my dog right. would go and search and he'd tell me and their dogs would go and search and they'd tell them differently. And then they'd do their control work. So it, right. it really is. Um, and when you consider what they're searching through and, and the hoarder houses and the oh, trash that's never absolutely. left the backyard and all those different things, absolutely. I can't simulate that. I went down no. to Mexico and I'm searching. The guy had collected big cats. I'm searching through yes. cat cages, like yeah. lion you cages. Can't, you can't simulate uh, yeah, where you, it. So, where, where, where are you going to where are you going to get that training from? Okay, yeah, uh, FBI, Ms. Sonia. I need to send me about ten tigers and five lions. Exactly. Yeah, they're going to have to. <laughs> and yeah, and, and let me let me let me add this too because you know I'm a canine guy through and through, 
and I and I understand the plights of other handlers. And I and I always say it, you know, LAPD is we're very fortunate. We have a large department with a lot of re, a lot of resources and a lot of officers, you know. And so I understand, and I'm fully aware that the LAPD way is not for everyone. Okay, if you get that guy who's working, you know, someplace out in Colorado, you know, and he's working, or you know, Douglas County out there, and he's and he's by himself in an area of 25 square miles, and it's just him and his dog. He's going to use that dog a lot differently than Mike Guzzi going to use his dog in the middle in the city of LA, and I understand that. His dog is going to probably be more of an apprehension dog as opposed to search tool. That dog might be his only partner, only backup. So I understand how that dynamic works too. Without but in our world, in our world, the dogs are used primarily for searching, and we have the ability to do that. Yeah. So I just want to, I just want to put that out there because I don't want people to think, oh my gosh, our department's using our dog wrong, and our handlers this and the other. That might not be the case. We operate in the world we live in. And that's what's important. Well, I'm now living out in Utah. There are sheriff's departments here and in Idaho, nine deputies, 11 right. deputies, 13 that's, that's deputies. Exactly. And, and, and of course they don't get the, the big perimeter. They've only got three or four people no. on in a night. Exactly. Exactly. So they're going to operate a little differently. And that's what people have to understand. It's not a They're not doing it wrong. They're doing it what's right for their arena. And that's what people need to understand. That's, yeah. that's very important that that message gets put out there. Yeah. Um, so can you just share a little bit about, you know, we've talked about how your dog is a tool. Um, how do you live with them? Um, well, they, they live with us. <laughs> they live out in the kennel in the backyard. That's their space. And they're, they're in that kennel probably, you know, if, a, if an officer is working, they're in that kennel in all of his off hours, then the, the dog comes to work. That's where his release is. The dog, the officer's on days off. Then the dog is out of the kennel in the backyard to break a little bit for a little exercise, and then back into the kennel. They spend very little time outside their kennels and outside the, the the back of a police car. And what happens when they retire? Well, then they become more acclimated to being out outside the kennel. They live in that. The officer can do whatever they want. They can live in the backyard. They can live live in the house. They can do whatever they want. But our dogs are very social. Again, they're not these nasty animals that are running around trying to annihilate everything. So they adjust very well to living in a household. You know, they adjust very well to like, okay, my job's over. I'm, I'm at home. I'm not taking, I'm not going there. Dogs are conditioned tools. Whatever, whatever becomes their condition, they adapt to it very quickly. It's a survival mechanism for them. They adapt very quickly to certain things, you know? So our dogs at home, they're, when they're working dogs, they don't spend time around the family. They don't spend, and the reason why is this, you know, I can't have a dog that is laying in front of the fireplace, so to speak, on his back, getting belly rubs all day and bonbons fed to him, expect that this dog does not want to go out and work. Because this man says like, well, man, this is good. <laughs> I, well, uh, we, yeah, I like this. Well, I want him to, his release to be, this is good coming out of the back of a police car going to work. This is good coming out of the back of a police car going to train. So we had a dog in training, and this is why I bring this to home. We had a dog in training years ago, and I was a trainer and uh, tested this dog, very nice police dog. But over time, I started noticing this dog was putting on a little weight. So I asked the handler, hey, is this dog, why is this dog, how much are you feeding him? Oh, he gets two cups. He gets two cups. Okay. Well, the dog's putting on more weight. He started getting sluggish in training and not really interested in training and really took a turn. And so I, finally, I, I, I set the handler down. I'm like, look. And you know, Linda remembers this because she was there. And I go, look, what is going on with this dog? Well, come to find out. This dog, the handler had three kids, 
and they all fell in love with the dog. They all thought it was their dog. The dad told them, this is our family, this is our dog now. Well, they all want to feed the dog. So he let one kid go out there, cup, cup, cup of food, feed the dog. Another kid, my turn. They go out there, feed the dog. <laughs> Next thing you know, this dog is this dog is in hog heaven. And the wife's buying treats and all this other stuff. Well, we had to wash that dog out. Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, so. and, and probably part, I mean, this is the other thing. In your selection, it's not just social, it's highly stable. So that exactly. explains why they yes. can convert from being sort of the warrior yes. to being the house dog. Right. And it's kind of like, oh, right. this is lovely. I mean, I'm sure it takes some time, right? Because they're busy. It does. Busy, busy, it, busy. Not a whole lot, though, but not a whole lot. You'd be surprised. We've, I've seen dogs retire, and the next day, they're fine house dogs because they are stable. You know, you, people, you, you go to these social media sites and, and you look at, you listen to canine handlers talk and stuff, and you listen to their conversations. And sometimes these young handlers come on, or new, new handlers. I'm about to start canine basic school. Uh, what do I need to expect? And what, what's, what's the store for me? And you hear countless canine handlers telling this person, oh, prepare to get bit. Your dog's going to bite you. Just prepare yourself for it. You prepare to be bit by your dog. And I'm listening. I'm like, what kind of dogs are they getting? Yeah. Yep. Because that's not dogs. a norm for us. Nervous dogs. Yeah, that's not a norm for us. That's not a norm. Yeah. And, and it's safe to say, if I do have a dog that bites their handler, and it's egregious, and I mean, I, my, my, my line of egregious is very, very low. So it doesn't take much. That dog is gone. We're not we're not dealing with that. Yeah. Because if I got a dog that bite the hand that the hand that feeds him, then what is he going to do to serve team members that come around? Yeah. Well, and you then know, so no, we're yeah stable is big for us. Well, and in this climate, um, absolutely. You know, and, and I remember even the group that I trained with in LA, it was sort of telling new handlers, um, this is your life, your home, your children. And you're going yes. to be turning it over to the bad guy who's suing you because you didn't train properly. You didn't train properly. Exactly. And, and you think you that you've got properly. the big shark attack and it's like, it's not as much exactly. fun as you think <laughs> because no, there's a not. lot of follow up after it. So. Yeah. So yeah, it's not as much fun as you think. Yeah. And you know, and sometimes bites get ugly, you know, Ugh, yeah. just like police work, police work is ugly. Yeah. And you don't want to be the handler on the, on the, on the end of all these bad bites. No. They do happen. I'm not gonna say they don't. They do happen. We get them from time to time, yeah. but they can't be the norm, you know. And and they can't be the norm if the dog is biting you or your family member. You know, there you, there's countless stories I can give you of, of dogs, not ours, but dogs of different other agencies where kids got really hurt really bad from these dogs. Yeah, I've heard them. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you gotta be. You know, they, these dogs are they're, they're Again, you know, it's it's like I don't leave my 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 my. my 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 pistol laying out for my my kid to play with. Oh, you got to play cops and robbers? Hey, well, take my gun because I want to be a family gun. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay, a good so example. I'm not I'm not going to do it with my police dog either. Yeah, these are tools of my trade. You know, I tell my handlers if they want the dog bite, go buy a Labrador Retriever, get them a puppy. You know. Yeah. Well, I, I was poking around, um, you know, before our talk, because I haven't really haven't had contact with you in about 13 years. It is almost right. 12 or 13. So right. kind of trying right. to catch up with what's going on. So I see that you are now the president of LACPCA, which is the Los Angeles yes. County Police Canine Association. Yes, How I long have you been doing that? I've been doing that now. I'm going on my, I'm in, my, I'm in the middle of my second term now. Wow. And I got a feeling they're probably going to extend our terms because of this whole COVID thing. Yeah. But I tell you what. That you know, you know the organization. It is a, it is uh, it is a great organization because it helps so many departments out there that don't have resources. It offers training that these animals wouldn't normally get on a regular basis. 
And so it's been really good. And we've taken it, I, I think we've really taken this thing to another level, even from the part where you and I were brand new to it. It's a whole nother level now. It's, really, it's great. We have probably, man, 160 members now. And yeah, it's strong. The apartments have expanded the K-9 units, obviously. They get more handlers on, on board because they, especially the West Coast, because the dogs save time, save money, and all that's good stuff. And so, yeah, it's, oh, it's great. We have a really strong board right now. It's, it's, a real, it's a lot of fun. We still do our seminars every year. We still do our canine show, and uh, and we help a lot of retired police dogs. I did notice that um, that the canine show had to be canceled due to COVID. So yes. if you're not going to plug it, I'm going to plug it. So so a website if people want to look at it is lacpca.com, which is for Los Angeles County Police Canine Association, and yes. that demo is was really the primary source of income for the association, and it still is. Yeah, which, of course, with this year not happening, I'm sure that you guys could use whatever donations um, people Absolutely, might without a doubt. Right. And yeah, those demos are fantastic. They were always a lot of fun. Um, and the seminars are fantastic. So who do you have coming? When are you doing a seminar next? So, the next, so this seminar is being canceled, right? It has been canceled as well, okay. but we're going to do it next year. Okay. And what I try to do is, instead of bringing the same instructors, because that's how we all to know each other so much in the canine thing. We all came to these seminars. So I try to, I, I go out there on social media. I see who's doing what, who's teaching what, who's training what. And then I start reaching out to these guys across the country. We fly them in and have them train our handlers up. And so we get, we get, we, man, we get, we get the who's who in the canine world. And the reason why we do that, you know, my philosophy is this. It's also, you know, a lot of police departments know that our department is a lot of work. And so they understand the LAPD goes through this. LAPD canine goes through that. So I get a lot of phone calls from different departments whenever they have like a bad, or they consider to be a bad bite or a bad apprehension or a dog problem. I get a lot of phone calls. And a lot of times, the majority of the time, these things, the foundation of all these issues they're having, it's, it's all around one thing. It's lack of training. It's lack of training. And I tell these departments, well, you can't, you can't, you can't expect your, your canine team to run like a Porsche if you're only offering them minivan maintenance. Exactly. It doesn't work that way. And that's a Gooseby that original, right? That, that quote, <laughs> yes, it is. That's a yes. Gooseby original. It's a good one. <laughs> yes. You, it doesn't work that way. You have to give them, if you want a Porsche, well, guess what? The brakes cost more. The, the tune-ups cost more. The oil changes cost more. All these things cost more. So if you want a Porsche, then you have to be, you have to be willing to pay the price that it takes to maintain a Porsche. Yeah. Or don't have a Porsche. And it's that simple. Just to add as well, I mean, you have the benefit of institutional knowledge. It's not a two-year yes. stint promote out, um, and then I was the canine handler for two years now, or or the standalone department. So, right, this is why exposing some of these smaller departments to this legacy is what I would call it um, of these larger departments. It's it's pretty amazing stuff. It really is. Yeah, that, that that that's a big that's a big deal you just brought up right there. You know, again, you can't you can't expect to bring in a handler. I mean, if I, if I go back to when I was a canine handler, I'll be honest with you. My first two years were such a whirlwind that I didn't become a a bona fide handler, if you will, until at least I had two years in the game. I was still learning so much by you know from other handlers and the skin of my teeth and Thunder and I learning about each other and all this stuff coming at me and everything. It took me about a good two years before I was willing to sell myself, okay, you have a handle on things, you know this game. 
And even then, I didn't know it totally, but I felt comfortable then. So, you know, and that's what's getting, that's what's getting a lot of work. That's what, that's what's getting caper after caper. I mean, the, the, the stuff that we get, again, it just, it runs the, it runs a gamut of, of things. You know, we have, we had a suspect that is firing at police during a pursuit and we, the canine guys jump in armored vehicles. We catch up to the pursuit. We blocked this car off on the freeway and we got cover on it. And we use a dog. The guy comes out of the car, ready to run off. We use a dog to take him down. I mean, we shoot gas into cars. We shoot gas into these houses. There's a lot of stuff that we're doing that a lot of departments, canine-wise, just won't see. And even if they, just, they can't because they don't have the backup either. The exactly. The funding, right. the training, Again, so or the those, backup. I mean, right. all these things right. so factor those, in. Right. All those things I just talked about, the, yeah. the armored vehicles, the gas, and this, that, and the other, yep. those are resources. Yeah. Those are resources mm-hmm. that we have to turn to. That's why it's easier for Mike Goosby to say that this dog is a locating tool. Because once that suspect is located, I have a bag of tricks I can reach into that my department's provided for me to now get this cus- this guy into custody and bring this incident to fruition yeah. safely yeah. for all parties involved. I don't have to, my, my last resort doesn't have to be having a dog attached to this guy and me dragging this guy out from underneath the house. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing. And another thing, probably an, an advantage, is that LAPD Metro K9, there's no question with the patrol officers of LAPD that it is valuable. And Correct. they're they're gonna call you and they're gonna say, you know, thank you, right? Because right. everybody wants yes. the arrest, but they're it's not this sort of fight for who's gonna put the cuffs on. You're all I mean, everybody's out there running and gunning every night. I mean A- absolutely there's none of that but sort that of comes, stuff. No, no, but that comes but that but that's that's I I, I attribute that, you know, honestly, to department culture. That starts at the top and trickles its way down. Yeah. What I mean by that is the bosses have to think that way about the canine unit. Because if the bosses think that way and that's their expectation, then the troops are going to go the way the bosses want to go. That's just the way it works. So, for example, our guys are taught in the academy. They get our, our supervisors taught in their supervisor school. We have canine instructors that go to those things. I go to supervisor school and I train the brand new sergeants on canine policies, procedures, and command post operations and command and control. I give a command and control class to the patrol, brand new patrol sergeant. Our canine guys go to divisional roll calls, do training with the patrol guys. They go to the academy, train the recruits. So they're getting all this stuff. But they're getting all that because our department is saying, hey, we want you guys to learn how canine operates because this is how, what you're going to do. When you chase up the suspects, we want you to chase up to them to contain them. And then canine will come out and search for them and apprehend them. That's going to be safer for our department. Our department puts that out there. So that's what the way the and our guys if our guy if our patrol guys get into a foot pursuit, which results in a crazy use of force, they're gonna go back at the very beginning of that foot pursuit and look at it and say, was there a time where you could have put a perimeter on this thing and called for a canine? Yep. If there was, they didn't do that, they're gonna be held to answer for that. Yeah. Their feet are gonna be on a fire for it. So yeah. my point to that is this is a culture thing, you know, and if the boss is supported, I had a I had an assistant chief about four years ago tell me, he goes, Mike, you know, I, I can look at our department. And there are certain entities that I can say, yeah, we don't really need that. It's good to have it, but we don't really need it. He goes, but canine? He goes, we need that. He goes, we could not operate the way we operate without having a canine unit. Yeah. Why do you think you've kept your numbers pretty small? Right. Well, we keep our numbers small. You mean as far as handlers? The yeah, amount of people we exactly. Have yeah. Well, we keep our numbers small because we want it to still be somewhat elite 
and we want to keep control of it, keep control of it and make it where it is a very highly trained, highly skilled, accurate unit. That's what we look, that's what we want to maintain. And so we're able to control that by keeping the numbers where they are and operate the way we do. Meaning that we only, our guys are full-time canine. They're full-time canine. If they're not on an active canine search, then they're training some shape or form. So our typical night for us, we come to work. Our first, our first uh, starter watch is 1500. The whole unit's on the same watch. We're the same watch, the whole unit's on the same watch. And I know other units, they put guys there and patrol guys and they're assigned to patrol division, patrol watches, and so on and so forth. But you can't keep control of that. Uh, you, can't, you, can't, you can't keep control of that guy's training. You can't keep control of the teamwork and them coming together and working as, as one entity if they're all spread out and doing their own things on different hours of the shift and they only cross each other maybe an hour a day or they only cross each other on a Wednesday training day. You're not gonna get the, you're not gonna get the same level of swag, if you will. I use the word swag because I tell our guys they come into the, come into the canine unit. I go, I don't expect you to be arrogant and I don't expect you to be elitist, but I do expect that when you get out of your car and walk to that command post and you see those incident commanders holding that pile of crap in their hands, you have enough swag in you. They know that I'm going to hand this pile of crap to that canine handler. He's going to turn around, step a little bit and hand me back a pile of diamonds. Yep. That's the kind of swag you need to have. Your, that's the kind of confidence they got to have in you they see you approaching them and so we that's so our unit is sort of you know i i use the word elite i know people don't use that word but yeah we make it an elite unit it's hard to get in and it's hard to stay in and it's hard to maintain so we keep our numbers low you know if you look at the u.s navy not every navy person can be a, US, a navy seal you know i had a canine handler one of our brand new handlers uh Marty corral went on her canine search the other day and we stopped because the neighbor had, we had a, a resident to put their dog away. So we had a little, a little break in the action standing there. And I looked at her search team. It was me. It was Jeff Miller, it was Steve Jenkins, and Steve Carnavali. It's me and the three other three trainers. Now, all the trainers, she had all the trainers in our unit on her search team. But more importantly, I looked at her search team. I'm like, she has a combined 80 years of canine experience with her on this search right now. Her search from this time she popped her door open and it's going to kick her dog to search was built for success. She's on one of her very first searches with 80 years of canine experience supporting her. That's a good feeling. <laughs> exactly. So what is that? Or nerve wracking for her. Right. But, but no, but, but it, so most people think, oh, it's very nerve wracking. And gosh, you have to perform for you guys. No, it offers her a sense of calm. Hey, Marty. They're not going to exactly. fail. You work your dog. Yep. All you need to do is focus on your dog and work your dog. We have everything else. Yeah. And I'm sure when we were going through, when we were going through the stats, I'm sure people like that many sergeants, but that's because you deploy at least one sergeant on every deployment, right? Yes, we do. We do. There's a sergeant, every, every command post has a sergeant. Every sergeant is a command. Every CP has a canine sergeant there because that canine sergeant is the canine expert for that command post. He's the one that's the, the incident commander is going to run everything to him. Hey, can a dog do this? Hey, can we use a dog for that? Hey, can we do this and the other? The incident commander, once he hands that over to us, we handle the canine portion of it. So he's not going to sit there and dictate things for a handler to do or not do. He's going to run through the canine sergeant. And that, again, that keeps everything nice and even keeled, and it keeps that, that control over it. Yeah. It, so now there's no question there. And, and there's a check and balance, okay? So now if something goes sideways, 
the Chiefs can grab hold of that canine sergeant. Hey, canine sergeant, you were there. You were running this thing. What the hell happened? Yeah. But that's also accountability up the chain, which which keeps everybody on their toes. Yes. So it, yes. it, it makes command and control is huge in our department. Yeah. Command and control is very huge in our department. As a matter of fact, unless there's a really exigent circumstance, I'm the only canine sergeant in our, in our unit that can go down range in a canine search because they don't want the sergeants on canine searches. We want you supervising and managing things, ensuring that we have command and control. If you hear your officer say, hey, I need a beanbag up here. I need this, that, and the other. Okay, you need to start heading over there. What do you need? What do you got? What do you have? Yeah. Start, start quarterbacking these things. Start command and control on this thing. We're not micromanaging them. Don't get me wrong. It's just, there's, a, there's a fine line between the two. No, you're a facilitator, but, not a micromanager. Exactly, but I can't. <laughs> right. And, 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 I, and we send handlers out. They go out with tunnel vision, so to speak. They go out. This is a suspect. This is the area we're searching. This is our dog. This is what we're looking for. It's almost like a movie theater. I tell our guys all the time. When we go into a movie theater, the canine unit, you guys go down there and you guys are fighting over the roads. You're going to sit in and get the best spot to see the screen and get in the middle of this, that, and the other. And who has popcorn? Who has red vines? Who has soda? Who has this? I go, you guys, the movie's coming on. Okay, the movie's, get, get through the credits. The movie's coming on. You guys are focused on the screen. I walk in. I'm in the balcony. And I'm watching all you knuckleheads down there <laughs> preparing to watch this movie. And I'm looking, okay, if this thing goes sideways, where are the exit doors? Okay, the exit door there. There's the exit door there. Okay, those two can't sit together because they're both clowns. Hey, you sit there, you sit over there. I got I have to facilitate this thing. I have to look at the whole theater and call you guys in it while you just look at the, the, the screen. Yeah. That's the difference between their job and my job. Yeah. But it's still it's designed it's, that way for a reason. And it needs to be, right? You, you've, you've, yeah, the absolutely. handler has to have eyes on the dog looking for that absolutely. subtle change, that nose flip, that absolutely. whip, that whatever it is. Exactly. So are you but, um, out doing seminars or are you out doing, I know you've I still do. other yeah. podcasts and things. I still do seminars. I still do seminars that, you know, I have one coming. I, I don't really do seminars as much. I shouldn't say seminars. I go out and do more training. I don't do a lot of seminars, you know, and I don't do a lot of seminars because most of these guys that go to seminars, they have active canine businesses. They have, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to promote a business and then get departments to hire them out there. And I actually have a nine to five job still. Yeah. So I can't really go out and promote a business because if I promote a business and if I'm lucky enough for people to call that business and want me to come out, I got to tell people no at times because I have a job still. Right. So I don't advertise that stuff, but the departments want me to come out. They get a hold of me. We, we work it out. We talk about it and they get a block of dates. We come out. I go out and train. And I do a lot of stuff with Doug Rollers. You know, he has his own business. Okay, uh, good. He's out there doing his thing. And so, I go, out, I go out and help him assist him with training, too. Like, he'll have a place, and we'll go out. We'll both train, stuff like that. Okay. I have uh, seven departments here in Southern California that I'm their, I'm their head trainer. I train them. I train them. I meet them for their monthly training and provide training for their units. Okay. So, that, so, that, so they're, 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 they go through different basic courses that they've been there. Most of them go through Horse. They go through basic school there. But once they come out of that basic class, because I don't have time to do that, they come out, then I take over. As they're, as they're, I meet them once a month, and we do tactics training and expose them to a lot of stuff that our guys have been exposed to. Yeah. If they have problem solving, they get hold of me. We go out. I go out there, and we work the problems with dogs and stuff like that. So, so that works out really well. So too. if people want to kind of get you, they can sort of go through Doug Roller. They can sort of go through oh, LACPCA, me. or they can call you. Yeah, they can, go to LACPCA, <laughs> they can call me. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. You know, I'm on social media. You know, I have an email, mikegooseby at gmail.com. Can't get any simpler than that. Super. That's easy <laughs> enough. That's easy. Yeah. Enough. 
And they can call me at 909-821-4227. Perfect. They feel free to call me. You sure even, you even want that out not there? So much, <laughs> yeah, because here's the deal. Well, I do. Here's the reason why. Here's the reason why. It's not so much, do we all like making money? Of course we do. We have to eat. I get that part. But it's not so much about the making money and hiring me to come out and do your, do your class or come out and do some training. You may have an issue that you just can't deal with or, or you think you're being overwhelmed by. It's probably nine times out of ten something I've come across before. And sometimes we can fix that in a, separate, in a simple phone call. Hey, Mike, my, my dog's doing this and all. My guy's blah, 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 blah. Well, have you tried this, that, and the other? Holy crap, man. I never thought of that. Yeah. That's yeah. why you called me. Yeah. If you have any, anything else, give me a call. I get calls from guys. I get, I get instant messages. I get th- private messages. I get texts with just stuff all the time. And the reason why I do this and people, aren't you, aren't you charging for that? You can make money, you do this and the other. It's not about that, man. Here's the reason what it's about. It's about the, for number one, it's the love of the game. It's for the love of the game. But number two, case law has no exceptions. Case law doesn't say, hey, Mike Goosby, you're good. Those guys screwed up. You can still do this. They just can't do it. No, it goes across the whole industry. Exactly. So if we don't take care of each other and help each other, it ain't about me being better than you or you being better than me. Or I don't want to tell you my secret. Man, it's the dog, okay? There's only about so many ways you can train this damn dog, okay? So <laughs> if I know it, other people probably know it too. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also how many people have gone home safely because of the help you've given them. Because right, if you're yeah, sitting yeah. here fighting a dog and tangling your own dog when you're trying to apprehend somebody, it's not going to go well. Exactly. So how many people go have well. you... How many people have you saved without even anybody? You know, everybody exactly. goes home at night and pats themselves on the back, but how could it have gone yes. wrong? Every time it can go wrong. So, exactly. you know, that, that is no what secret. it's about. There, there's no secret to it. People crack up. People always go, you know, I, I give out PowerPoints. I give out this. I give out that. I send canine positive. I send this and the other. Oh, why are you giving this stuff up for free? Give me your secrets. It, it's not a secret, man. No. It's not a secret. No. We're all on the same game. We're on the same team. Yeah. That's all it is. We take care of each other. And that's the bottom line. We can't take care of each other. Man, if you lose, if you lose sight of that, you probably need to find something else to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. that simple. Your time is done. So any, anything else that you, you feel um, you want to share or last word or, or advice or um, you've given, you, you've shared a lot of it, but I'm just sort of thinking sure. if there's something that you really feel you can't leave without saying. Um, yeah, I, I do want to end on this. You know, we're, we're in crazy times as, as, as police departments across this country. And, and there are going to be things that uh, get cut from the chopping block, if you will. They're going to get cut. They're going to get, they're going to get pushed off the side because the department is going to start defunding or not putting as much money into certain things. You know, the canine world has to understand that they control their destiny to a certain degree. They control whether they get put on the chopping block and moved off or if they get if they're looked at as a resource that we can't do without you hold that destiny, you know, train like your life depends on it, you know, and you use tactics, use sound tactics. What I mean by that, there are two prongs to sound tactics. There are physical safety and there's fiscally safety, fiscally safe. You have to be physically safe and you have to be fiscally safe in your training and in your deployments. Just because you have a dog doesn't always mean you have to use that dog. But you have your biggest, your, your, your most pronounced weapon, tool, whatever you want to look at it as, is your brain. Use that thing. Take a couple seconds to think through the problem and then act. Don't just act off of whim. Act off of calculation. You sat there. You saw it. You perceived it. You calculated it. 
these are things I'm going to do. And then the last thing you need to ask yourself, I always tell my guys, before you kick that dog off, ask yourself one question. What good will come of this? If the answer is none or even maybe, you probably shouldn't use a dog in a situation. Super. Super. And that's, that's coming from, well, it's, it's great. I'm not going to argue with you. I, I absolutely agree with all of it, even though I've never been in that position, but, um, but no, I think, you know, everybody ego gets in the way and, and heck, I think any canine handler knows that it's kind of a type a kind of person. So ego is a big factor in there. So it tends to, yes, it is. Get, everybody wants to see their dog bite. Yeah. Everybody wants to see their dog bite. Of course okay? it's fun. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> but, but it's not fun when you get sued or you end up in federal. Court. No, it's not. It's so. not. You know, everybody says I'd rather be judged by 12 than carried by six. Well, the only people saying that are the people who never had to be sit there and be judged by 12. Yeah. And I, I hate to say the 12 you're going to get in this day and age is not going to be your friend. So this is not the 12 you want to be tackling. And, and when that 12 puts you in, a, in, in, in four walls or bars in front of it. With yeah. a bunch of guys that don't like you just because of what you did for a living. Yeah. Yeah. You, you would rather be judged by 12 than carried by sex in that situation. Yeah. Let alone the safety of saying. the dog, right? You don't just send them exactly. on a death wish, no. right? You just don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. So anyway. Well, I am going to say thank you so much. Um, well, thank you for having me. it's so fun to talk it. to you and catch up. And I will be watching for whatever words of wisdom you share because there's so much out there now. And I, I always tune into what you have to say because I know that you're in the thick of it and, and you have all the best, best tools, best intentions um, and the experience to go with it. So I appreciate that. Well, thank you for having me, Sonia. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Thanks. Okay. You are definitely in my list of the greatest people I've ever met. Well, I, I say that with all honesty. Oh, that's so kind of you. <laughs> um, I, I will say we certainly share passion, right? So we yes, certainly we share a passion yes. for these dogs and the work. And yes, we do. And um, I border on the nerd, but I always felt um, it's okay. I, I always felt um, that it was a gift to be accepted as nicely as I was by the canine community in LA. Um, because I had three strikes. I was a girl, I had a search and rescue dog, and I was a fed. So those are not things that necessarily right. go. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you, but, but we all have our lanes. Yeah. We all have our lanes. Yeah. We all have our lanes, man. And, and we and none of us can do it by ourselves. Nope. So. That's for sure. Anyway. Well, thanks so, <laughs> so much. Okay. Thanks for having me. Well, that's it for episode six of Canine Top Tales. I hope you enjoyed it and that you'll come back for more. Thanks, everyone. Take care.